how are you as a diagnostician? I mean, I think most of us would say, you know, I'm a professional. Look, I'm trained. I know what I'm looking for. I think I'm pretty good as a diagnostician. And in the vast majority of cases, that's probably correct and accurate. But there's one test and one area that we really could do a lot better because we just don't have the sensitivity or the specificity for a true diagnosis. And that's the old standard done many times across the country in various practices, the practice of a wet prep. Yep. Vaginitis, super common. Vaginal discharge is one of the top three most common gynecological diagnoses in a gin practice. The other two are abnormal bleeding and reasons for contraception or contraceptive management. So in this episode, we're going to cover a not yet released but already accepted publication that's going to be coming out in the Green Journal. This compares the traditional wet prep with diagnostic ability to a FDA-approved commercial test. No, this is not industry-sponsored, and this is not a plug for any specific company, but I did find it interesting how, well, poor the wet prep and individual practitioners' determination of the cause of vaginitis can be compared to a more objective and standardized test like an FDA-approved test. So let's cover this newly approved but not yet out publication called The Performance of a Vaginal Panel Assay Compared with the Clinical Diagnosis of Vaginitis. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Vaginitis really is a common concern and complaint in a gin or a women's health practice. Between 6 and 10 million healthcare visits happen in the U.S. every year due to complaints of vaginitis. 6 to 10 million. The most common causes are bacterial vaginosis that makes up about 50% of cases. Vulval vaginal candidiasis makes up up to 25% of cases. And then trick rate makes up the remainder anywhere from 15 to 20% of cases. All right, so the article that we're summarizing is going to come out in the Green Journal, but I don't have a month yet because it just literally was accepted about four days ago, and I'm taping this on November the 17th. So it usually follows that this should come out around, oh, December next month or January of 2022. But again, the title of this soon-to-be-released publication is Performance of a Vaginal Panel Assay Compared with a Clinical Diagnosis of Vaginitis. Before I get into this new article, this is a quick reminder from the January 2020 practice bulletin from ACOG on vaginitis in non-pregnant patients. So be honest, if a patient calls on the phone or you get an electronic message, hey, I think I got a yeast infection, can you call something in? Uh, do you do it? Because you really shouldn't. I know, I know, it's super easy to just call in something or send an electronic prescription in. But the truth is, we're probably going to be wrong about half the time. According to the college in January 2020, it states that self-diagnosis by a patient of common vaginitis is not recommended because of its limit accuracy and the nonspecific nature of vulvovaginal symptoms. Said another way, if a patient thinks she has a yeast infection, she may, but she also may not. 
patients with vaginitis symptoms should present to a clinician for full evaluation, particularly patients who have been self-treated already by something over-the-counter or at high risk for STIs. According to the college, patients who are already in the office and report vulvovaginal symptoms, then they should have a full examination before being treated for vaginitis. So the take-home message is, yes, it's easy to just write that script based on symptoms, but symptoms have a lot of cross-variants across the three main types of vaginitis, BV, yeast, and of course, candida. So because a lot of these symptoms can cross, don't rely on the patient's classification of discharge or odor or, or the consistency or the color of the discharge because it's just not that specific. Listen to this. Hillier et al. in a previous publication demonstrated that almost half of women that had a laboratory-diagnosed cause of vaginitis, again, laboratories using a FDA-approved DNA test, half of those women received at least one treatment that was inappropriate based on clinical diagnosis alone. So not surprisingly, return visits based on persistent vaginitis symptoms were common in that study because they probably weren't treated correctly. So the study that we're reviewing now is obviously not the first to demonstrate this limited accuracy of clinical diagnosis in the approach or in the workup of common vaginitis. But again, and I have to say it, there are some advantages to doing the wet prep, right? I mean, it's point of care. It's relatively cheap. The patient can get a diagnosis within maybe 10 minutes or so, depends on how fast you can read it. And so it is advantageous in that it's very quick. The big downside, of course, is that it's just not very accurate. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I've got something i got to ask you because this totally crossed my mind. It has nothing to do with the study that we're summarizing, but it actually is a really good point because I want to know uh, what you think about this. So if you get a pap smear, okay, so you do an annual exam and you do her pap, and then the pap comes back, change in normal flora. We've all seen this, right? Uh, change in normal flora consistent with BV. Or the pap smear says, you know, no uh, strange epithelial cells. It's negative for intraepithelial malignancy, but there's vulvovaginal candidiasis, or there's evidence of yeast species. Or it finds trichomonas. Well, do you treat based on the pap smear? I mean, it's not uncommon, right? I mean, I just today I was in clinic and there was two pap smears that had normal cytology, HPV negative, thankfully, but they both had shifts in normal flora. Well, are you supposed to treat that? Well, the college has an answer for that. And here it is. Pap tests are not reliable for the diagnosis of vaginitis and diagnostic confirmation is recommended for all three types of vaginitis, yeast, BV, and TRIC. Here's the issue with treating based on a pap for something like yeast. Vaginal candida species are present in 20 to 30% of asymptomatic patients. In other words, they can be colonized, but not truly, quote, quote, infected. In other words, they're not symptomatic. And so treatment of these patients, just because you see yeast on the pap, would be over-treatment, which could lead to resistance. So treatment of asymptomatic yeast on a pap test is just not indicated. And if they're symptomatic and the pap smear shows the presence of candida, then it still should be evaluated with confirmation testing before just ordering a prescription. Same thing with BV. The pap test is unreliable to diagnose BV with a sensitivity of 49%, 
and a specificity of 93%. So according to the college, even in symptomatic patients that have suggestion of BV on a pap test, confirmatory diagnostic testing should still be performed. In other words, you've got to bring them back in. Asymptomatic patients with pap tests suggestive of BV do not need treatment. And then lastly, a quick word about trick or the suggestion of trick on a pap. As with wet mount microscopy, the pap test has a low sensitivity for the detection of trichomonads. In patients with pap tests that suggest the presence of trick, then confirmatory diagnostic testing should be performed. Patients with confirmed trick then should be treated based on a recommended therapy. So again, if you find something on pap smear, um, you really shouldn't treat just based on that because the sensitivity and specificity could have issues for vulvovaginal candidiasis, BV, or trick. Well, I wish it could be that easy. But as we all know, it's hard for a patient to come back just to get checked to see if the pap smear was right for a vaginitis diagnosis. And by the way, that issue of bringing the patient back for a diagnostic confirmation test that's recommended by the college is actually pretty controversial because not everybody agrees with that. There are other experts in women's health that say, look, if you see trichomonas on a liquid-based pap smear, I mean, that's trichomonas. I mean, it's pretty good now. Because a lot of that information that ACOG actually used, believe it or not, was still a combination of old pap tests, which was slide-based as well as liquid-based. So what do we do with that? All right, some say bring them back, some don't. The point is know your patient population and talk to the patient. As always, the key words are share decision-making. To be honest, what I do, if I have a pap smear that's liquid-based, as they mostly all are, and if I find trichomonas based on that, I'm going to treat her because that's an STI and I don't want to waste time with the patient going untreated. But I do have to give the patient the option. Look, I would like to treat you, but would you like to come back so we can get a better exam just to make sure? Because this is a, a pretty big deal. If it's BV and she's asymptomatic, I'm really not worried about it. Same thing with yeast. It's trick that's the issue. So again, I don't want to beat this thing down, but ACOG says bring patients back, but not everybody agrees with ACOG, because some feel that especially with liquid-based cytology, these diagnoses simply do have improved accuracy compared to the old slide-based pap smears. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's get back to our original purpose here, which is reviewing this new article, which is comparing the performance of a wet prep to using a commercial test that uses a molecular DNA approach. Of course, this is something like a BD Affirm or what was used in this study called the BD Max vaginal panel test. It looks for vaginitis, trichomonas, and BV. This cross-sectional diagnostic accuracy study included 489 enrolled participants from five collection sites where those with vaginitis symptoms had a vaginal assay swab collected during their visit and a clinical diagnosis made. 
The swab was then sent to a separate testing site to perform the vaginal panel assay. This is very easy. Let's compare the results from what you see based on wet prep and what you see visually in the vagina and compare it to the FDA test. The results showed that a clinical diagnosis for BV had a positive percent agreement with a vaginal panel assay of only 57.9%. And for vulval vaginal candidiasis, the agreement was 53%. And for trick, it was actually the lowest at only 28%. Now here's some shocking numbers. 65% of patients who were identified of having BV now listen to these numbers because they really suck. 65% of patients who were identified as having BV based on the commercial test were not treated for vaginitis because of a negative clinical diagnosis. And that number is 44% for vulvovaginal catendiasis and it was 56% for trichomoniasis. That means 56% of patients who are identified as having trick were not treated because the exam was negative. Now, we need to explain this a little bit more because 56% of patients of women with trick weren't treated because the wet prep was negative. This does not mean that the nurse practitioner or PA or the physician or MA or whoever did that wet prep doesn't, doesn't know what they're doing. That's not it. It's that the issue is the wet prep itself. Wet prep actually has the least sensitivity for trick. Now, I know you've all seen it. I've seen it too. And you're like, how can you miss that thing? I mean, they're moving around. They're kind of gross. But remember that small changes in temperature can actually make them go cold. And the typical trichomonad shape then becomes round and it looks like an inflammatory cell. All right. So what's the take home here as we wrap this up? Well, it's really pretty simple. Look, if you have to do a wet prep, then do it well and do it as soon as you can because especially for trichomoniasis, those little trichomonads, if they get cold, those little suckers ball up and they're hard to make a diagnosis for and they're easy to miss. And if possible, then use a more standardized, more objective test that uses DNA technology. But nothing's free, right? I mean, using a test like the BD Max or BD Affirm, those are batched tests and they take a while to come back. You don't get the results right away. And obviously, they cost significantly more than something like a wet prep. But again, I'm just here to pass the information to you. Remember, this article will soon come out in Obstetrics and Gynecology, the Green Journal. But before it's even out in mass circulation in print, you all already know the gist of the story. As always, thank you for being part of our podcast family. We're thankful for you. And we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Clinical Pearls.